Welcome to the fourth annual Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft. Bigger and better than ever. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft Day number three picks 13 through 18. And we've got a bunch of trade rumors floating around. We've got picks that have because of trades that have already happened. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board will stop by after the first three picks and give us a breakdown of what he's seeing. John Hollinger is aboard to talk to us about any trades that might happen. And our desk of Brad Rowland, who writes for Dime, Brandon Clean, who writes for Fansided, and Josh Lloyd, who writes for Red Rock, are all on our main desk today. Plus, Brad hosts Locked on Hawks, Brendan hosts Locked on Suns, and Josh is the world-renowned Locked on Fantasy Basketball host. So, we're 12 picks in. If you missed day one, here's how that went down. Lamelo Ball went one, Edwards two, Okongu three, Killian Hayes four, Isaac Okoro five, Devin Vassell six. Then Detroit finally got James Wiseman in a surprise. They slid that far. Boston traded for the eighth pick and took Tyrese Halliburton. Obi Topham went to nine in the most criticized pick of the draft. Denny Avita went 10 to Phoenix. Patrick Williams 11 and Aaron Neesmith just went 12 to Sacramento. So on the board today, New Orleans, New York, Orlando, Portland, and Minnesota. Let's welcome back in our main desk. Brad Rowland, Brendan Clean, and Josh Lloyd. And let's start where we have each and every day. Who are the six best players on your board? Josh Lloyd, lead us off. Uh, well, the same guy to start off what I had yesterday, I think, is uh, is Kyra Lewis, then Alexei Pokusevsky, Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, and Xavier Tillman. Brad Rowland, what have you got? Very similar, although a different order. I will say Tyrese Maxey, Alexei Pokusevsky, Kyra Lewis, RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, and Sadiq Bey. And Brendan, you you you, caught, you couldn't come up with six last week, yesterday. Have you I found anybody you, have you, found anybody you like yet? I, <laughs> I, it's similar. It's Tyrell Terry, Kyra Lewis, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Cole Anthony, Alexei Pokashevsky, and uh, Desmond Bain to round us out. Josh Lloyd, who is Pokashevsky? He is a seven-foot weirdo point guard who weighs about 140 pounds, what it looks like when you see him anyway, who is a unashamed three-point gunner who can pull off behind the back, through the legs, passes and dribbles and block shots and really a player that I think we've really ever seen before. I've taken a lot of criticism in the past when I analyze drafts. I just have this kind of general rule that if I've never seen it before, I don't think it's going to work. And actually, it's how I felt about Chris Dapps Przingis, and I'm not entirely sure I'm going to turn out to be wrong on that with the amount of injuries that he's had in his career. The other rule I have is that if I don't have, if I mock you, right? Like if I put a mock draft down and I say, "Oh, you're like Andre Miller." Well, your next choice is Kendall Marshall, and he's out of the league. You know, it's if you say in the old days he's Charles Barkley. Your next choice was like Clarence Weatherspoon, Byron Houston, or guys who are out of the league. How do you take a guy who's seven feet tall, two hundred pounds, and tell me he's going to make it in the league, Brad? Yeah, I tend to agree, actually. I think he's going to have to fill out quite a bit. He is bizarre, and that's why I have him a little bit lower. I think upside-wise, he would be much higher than we were talking about him right now. But the, the, the floor is very, very low as you sort of get into there with, with the bus potential. So I think we're at a spot now where it makes sense to invest in him. But earlier than this, it is tough because, like you said, the archetype is such where it's kind of hard to see it working. If it does work, then you have sort of fireworks everywhere. But uh, the downside is pretty ugly. This is where I do like this draft, guys, in the sense that when I talk about mocking someone, like you talk about Kyra Lewis, like there's a lot of 6'3 really good point guards in this league. Like worst case scenario, he's a backup point guard and he plays a long time. You look at RJ Hampton, there's a lot of guys like him. You look at Siddiqui Bay, there's a lot of guys like him. You look at Josh Green, you're 6'6 with like a 6'11 wingspan. Like you play in the league. As much as this draft has been criticized, Brendan, what I do like about this draft is most of the guys' physical measurements are good at this level, and all of them, to me, seem like they could just be NBA players, which if you go back to where we started, in the history of the draft, 11 through 30 ends up only 50% of those players become rotation players. This actually feels relatively strong for that, Brendan. I, I agree with you. I really like, you know, as as the Suns in this exercise, I, I tried to trade back into this range pretty aggressively, looked at a couple deals. And 
I, what's funny to me is you look at these guys and it's a lot of the group that we thought might be at the top of this draft if it would have become a better draft. It's a lot of the guys who underperformed as freshmen in college, like a Tyrese Maxey or a Cole Anthony or a Josh Green, who who now are being mocked in this range and we expect to probably go today in our exercise. And now uh, they're probably, you know, they've fallen off here, but they're still, they still maintain that intrigue that they had once upon a time. All right, let's go see what New Orleans is going to do. They're on the board with number 13. Here's Jake Madison in Locked On Pelicans. Hey, everyone. Jake Madison here, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. I'm here to make the 13th overall pick for New Orleans in our Locked On NBA mock draft. And the Pelicans are in an interesting spot. There's no one need that stands out more so than any others. And the Pelicans could easily go with a backcourt player, a wing player, or a frontcourt guy. You'd like to add some more aggression to this team in the backcourt alongside Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. Lonzo, great in transition, a little bit less so in the half court and not a guy that's willing to attack the rim and try and break down a defense that way. There's a number of guys that can kind of fill that need here. More defense and shooting on the wing is never a bad thing in the NBA and this draft right around 13 is filled with a lot of value at that small forward wing spot but also getting a big who can shoot next to Zion Williamson would be incredible as well to allow the court to be spaced a little bit more for him and help him take that offense to the next level. The dream scenario for New Orleans is actually to probably move up if they can in this draft. They have three second round picks at 39, 42, and the 60th pick, and not bringing in four guys to the roster next year is probably ideal for them. So looking to move up, maybe if a guy like Killian Hayes falls out of the top five or so, they can move up using some combination of those second round picks to try and grab a guy that could be a real difference maker and someone I'm personally high on in the draft that fixes a lot of the problems that we saw with that New Orleans offense in the bubble where they seemed to really slow things down and couldn't really play well in the half court. Getting a guy who can kind of do that, who is aggressive, who looks like he can be a shooter as well, would be ideal for the team. He went early in this and got kind of killed any sort of concept of trying to trade up for me. Uh, And that's something that I was looking to ideally do to package some of those second round picks and move up even a couple of spots and just get a little bit more value for the Pelicans as they head into to next season. There were also a couple of options for the Pelicans to trade down and acquire more picks. Being that this draft isn't as deep as it could be, it's not the best. Adding more picks in this draft weren't great. I tried to maybe finagle a future first-round pick from the New York Knicks who were looking to move up and make sure that they got their guy. Didn't end up happening. And so at 13, with a lot of value for and a number of different ways to go, I was happy to make a selection for the Pelicans and just take what was given to us. I heavily looked at and considered taking Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. This is a guy who looks like he is going to be a very aggressive guard in the NBA. He can get to the rim. He can score pretty easily. He absorbs contact somewhat well. A guy that just has that aggression to create for others by breaking down a defense is definitely missing from New Orleans. But there's a little bit of overlap with the Keel Alexander Walker, a first-round pick from last year, that fills some of that same role. And given that this draft doesn't really have many guys in this range who project as future all-stars, fit becomes really important to me when making this selection. I also considered Jalen Smith the big out of Maryland for his three-point shooting stroke that would pair nicely with Zion Williamson, I think. He gives you just enough rim protection to make him probably an above-average defender at the NBA level with time. But the Pelicans are looking to win now. The hiring of Stan Van Gundy says that, even if maybe Drew Holiday is on the block. And so with the 13th overall pick, I'm taking Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. This is just your prototypical 3 and D wing. You can never have too many of those guys out there. But he's got some positional versatility. If New Orleans goes small, they can definitely put Bay at the four. And with his three-point shot and working well off the ball and without the ball in his hands, is going to be a contributor on the offensive end. He can guard multiple positions to help shore up New Orleans on the defensive side of the ball. Villanova guys have a pretty good track record in the NBA right now. I trust players coming out of that school. I think Bay can immediately be a role player, a contributor for New Orleans in this coming season. Maybe not the highest ceiling out of some of the guys here, but this team is in win-now mode. They need someone who can help right away. Sadiq Bay out of Villanova with the 13th overall pick is going to be able to do just that. Uh, Sadiq Bay at 6'8". Yeah, I think he brings versatility. I think coming out of Villanova, there's a perception that you kind of know what you're getting, which I would agree with. Uh, you know, for New Orleans, who 
I think is a team that will prioritize, uh, you know, finding, uh, you know, spacing guys who can sort of complement their current group. Uh, yeah, I think he makes sense here. Uh, he's not the highest upside pick on the board here, but I think he does sort of fit uh, what they need. You know, they're a team that, you know, they're a younger team, but also are trying to be competitive right away. Uh, and, you know, Bay should be able to give you some minutes and sort of blend in with, with their core either forward spot. Uh, he's, he's a guy who's going to make threes, I think. Uh, he's going to have to get better playing off the dribble. You know, he's not a very improvisational player. He's, he doesn't leap off the page in like a, you know, like a sexy way in terms of upside. But, you know, I, I see the logic here. Uh, I don't think it's, yeah, I think any team you, you walk away with Bay and in, in this range from, you know, 12 to 18, I think you'll feel pretty good, uh, you know, just getting a rotation player. Uh, so this makes sense to me. Sadiki Bay out of Villanova comes into the board. And Josh Lloyd, I was listening to one of your Locked on Fantasy Basketball shows, and I found myself, having watched Bay a little bit, agreeing with one of your hosts who said that he was nervous about this guy because everything at Villanova was set for him. And I, as much as I just said, like, he's got all the measurements, like, I didn't see him turn the corner on guys. I didn't see him athletically beat guys. I felt like his feet were a little stuck to the ground. I have some concern on him. Yeah, look, the shooting obviously was impressive. Uh, 45% from three on over five and a half attempts per game. But like a lot of these guys, like, I'm not sure what else he's doing. And you're right, so much was you know, put towards him to put him in that best position to succeed. And that's just not going to be the case in the NBA. He's not that level of shooter where he can just you know, bombing them like yeah, JJ Redick would. He's not that sort of a guy. And defensively, there are worries. And, and what else does he do on offense? I'm a little bit concerned about that. He's got this reputation as a 3 and D guy, but I'm not sure that the versatility of the three-point shooting is there, and I'm not sure the D is quite there for an NBA-level player. Alright, on the board is the 14th pick coming off a trade from earlier where Boston traded up in the draft, took Tyrese Halbert, and the Knicks are now on the board. Let's go to Locked On Knicks in the Knicks draft room. Alright, so here we are at pick 14. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw of Locked On Knicks. You were probably expecting to see us at pick eight, but we wound up making a trade with Locked On Celtics. We traded pick eight for picks 14, 26, and 30. That was all three of the first round picks that the Celtics had for this year. Uh, we came into this draft looking, hopefully, for a playmaker of the future. Uh, and seeing Killian Hayes and LaMelo Ball go off the board before our pick then seeing Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro, two wings that we really liked, go off the board as well. We reached a point where trading down seemed like a pretty attractive option. So once the deal came up with the Celtics, we uh, decided that would be a, a good way to go because we had our eyes on two players, Patrick Williams and Kyra Lewis Jr. And basically my strategy was once we, uh, once we traded back to 14 was that if one of those two players got picked, I would attempt to trade back up using some of the ammunition we just got from the Celtics. So maybe give up pick 14 and 26 to move back up to pick 12, say after Patrick Williams got taken at 11 uh, to take Kyra Lewis. That ultimately did not come up and we lucked out, Gavin. We managed to get our guy anyway at pick 14. We got Kyra Lewis after uh, Aaron Nesmith and Sadiq Bey got taken by the Kings and the Pelicans, respectively. Yeah, and we were we were thrilled to get him. I've been a big fan of Kyra throughout the entirety of this process. He distorts defenses with his speed, both in transition and in the half court. Is a higher level shooter than most people realize. Shot just under 37% from three-point range, over 80% from the line. Solid finisher, not great in that respect yet. The biggest concern we have with Kyra is his frame. But Alex, the Knicks absolutely have to come away with from either this draft or free agency with a point guard. It's been over two decades since the Knicks have had a long-term option at that spot. Kyra Lewis Jr., one of the youngest players in the draft despite being a sophomore. We think he can be that guy. Another option we had to go and get him was a proposed king, uh, excuse me, a proposed trade with the Sacramento Kings, uh, where we offered the eighth pick, the 38th pick, and Julius Randle in exchange for the 12th pick. And Buddy Heald, after some strong consideration 
um, from the Kings side of things. They ultimately declined it. I would have really liked that because the Knicks could have added a high-level shooter and healed one of the best in the NBA currently, still gotten our guy in Kyra, and then potentially gone a different direction later in the draft where we were looking for shooting yet again. Ultimately, it worked out really well, and we'll detail how when we talk about our future picks. On a draft of question marks, was that just the steal of the draft in by the New York Knicks? Maybe, I would say. Uh, it's. Uh, I think the fit is great. The Knicks need a lead ball handler. I think Kyra... Going this this far down, it makes it perfectly appropriate. At eight, it would have been a little bit high, but the trade down, getting the value, and a guy who makes a ton of sense for them, I'm not sure it's the steal you know, in all capital letters, but it certainly feels like a great value and certainly one of the steals so far in the lottery. I probably would have picked him at eight if I was the Knicks anyway, so to get extra picks to... yeah, And then once we get past like this sort of area in the draft, I feel like the next 25 to 30 guys, you could you could convince me that any of them could go at 15 and any of them could go at 40. Like That's how close all these guys feel. So to trade down from eight, get the guy I would have picked at eight and then get two later picks as well. I think it's a really, really strong move from the Knicks to do that. And I look looking at how the drafts panned out so far, at, at this point, it probably is the steal of the draft. By the way, that Knicks team had they have uh, front office on our mock drafts over the years, had they actually been drafting for the Knicks, they'd be way better. They had Jason, they would have drafted Jason Tatum, RJ Barrett, and Michael Porter Jr. Maybe the Knicks should hire our locked on Knicks team as their general managers. Let's see what Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated thinks of that pick, uh, the point guard out of Alabama. Uh, I love this pick for New York uh, with Kyra Lewis Jr., uh, especially being able to trade back uh, and get him not at 8, but at 14. I think that's a, a really nice move. Uh, he, he has as much upside, I think, as a lot of the other guards in this draft. Uh, you know, being a young sophomore, uh, having put together a really nice season in college uh, and sort of starting to come into his own as a playmaker. Uh, you know, he's really, really fast uh, end-to-end. Uh, he's not necessarily a creative passer, but he's going to make the right play. Uh, I compare him to sort of like a Dennis Schroeder a uh, type of guard is going to do some scoring, do some playmaking, and can shoot well enough to play with other guards. Uh, so I like that for New York. Uh, a team that you know really needs talent, uh, needs uh, another playmaker, I think, to take pressure off of R.J. Barrett uh, because he's not going to be the guy who shoulders that load for you. Uh, and I think Lewis here, especially at 14, is a really, really nice job. Uh, so, you know, he has his issues defensively. He's not the biggest guy at the 6'3", but he's a skinny 6'3". Uh, but overall, I would feel good about this for New York. Back with you on the Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft. Kevin Pelton, by the way, the great ESPN expert, will be joining our own Josh Lloyd, who you're hearing here on Locked On Fantasy Basketball this draft week. So make sure you get all those breakdowns. Brad will have great stuff at Locked On Hawks. Brendan's got great stuff at Locked On Suns. The network's got crazy, crazy good stuff. Chad Ford will be joining us here in just a moment. But guys, before we dig into the 15th pick, Orlando's on the clock right now. Who is the player and who is the pick in this draft that you're most certain has a 10-year career? I, I call this the Nick Collison, Luke Ridenauer question. The Sonics, bless their hearts, one year drafted both those players. Neither ever became all-star. Both had 10-year careers, which frankly for picks like 13, 14, or 11, 12, whatever they were, was really good picks. So, Brendan, starting with you, who's the player you're most confident kind of maybe after those top three or four picks, so it's all pretty even in this draft, that you're most confident has a 10-year career? In this particular draft, man, is that a good question. Uh, everybody has so many question marks. My, my first inkling was to, I'll, go, I'll, I'll hedge myself. I'll go with two guys. It's Onyeka Okongwu, who I, I just think when you look at how he fits in the modern league, uh, we just watched Bam Adebayo do what he did in the bubble and on through into the finals. I'm not saying he'll become that player. I think Bam is, is very unique, but the versatility defensively, the ability to protect the rim, uh, go up there and get lobs. Every team needs a guy like that, and he's already demonstrated he can do those things. I just feel like he's going to be a rotation big man for a long time. The other one I would say is Isaac Coro, who I just feel like is an incredibly smart player. I know he has a lot of question marks about shooting, but when you're as smart as he is and you're as um, as much of a menace defensively as he is, uh, there's a reason he cut through to being taken fifth in our exercise and, and probably around there in the draft uh, next week. Um, he's he's brilliant. He wasn't a guy that was looked up looked at that way heading into Auburn, and he proved himself because he just played a style that's that's clearly going to translate to the NBA. So those are my two. 
Uh, it's just, it's really tough this year. It's a really good question. Not to be derail our conversation, but Brad, is there any chance that Isaac Okoro is Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Yes, there is. Uh, I think that Okoro has more like on ball offensive equity. Uh, and also a little bit more of a clearer defensive role in a lot of ways. But certainly, that is one of the nightmare scenarios if you are the team drafting Isaac Okoro. And I actually think that Kid Gilchrist was underrated uh, early on before he had some injuries. I think he would have been an NBA player and stuck around for longer. I know he's hey, still look, in the league now. He's in the league. He's in the league. I know. I know he's in the league now. But I, think, yeah, I think he would have been more prominent for longer without some of the injury stuff. But yeah, that is a concerning data point if you're an Isaac Coro fan as I am. So uh, that, that's a name that has to send some shivers down your spine, I think. All right, Josh Lloyd, 10-year career, who you got? Uh, Killian Hayes, for me. Um, a guy that I think his shooting floor is, is pretty high. Um, I think he's shown a lot of improvement athletically. He can pass. He's got size. Yeah, Even if it's as a DJ Augustine backup point guard, I think that's a valuable skill that people around the league are going to want for the next 10 years. So to me, it's him. 10-year career, Brad Roland. Never an all-star, but 10-year career. These guys took the really obvious answers that were uh, higher in the lottery. So I'll go a little bit deeper and say Xavier Tillman. I think Xavier Tillman uh, is not going to be an all-star like you mentioned. But if I had to pick one guy outside of the lottery that's going to be around for 8, 10, 12 years, he seems like a great bet for that as a guy who could play defense, just kind of be a grown man, be really strong, um, you know, pass the ball, move the ball, be a, be a strong, high-level role player for a long time. The Orlando Magic are on the board. Then we'll find out how Chad Ford would answer that exact same question. And Portland, Minnesota, and Dallas. Trade rumors are floating, though, as this draft continues. Let's head out to Orlando. Philip Rossman Reich has the 15th pick in the Orlando Magic draft room with Locked On Magic. This is Philip Rossman Reich, the host of the Locked On Magic podcast, here to break down the 15th overall pick in the Locked On NBA mock draft. Before we dive into that, let's break down the Orlando Magic a little bit for you. They finished 33-40, and 8th place in the Eastern Conference, an injury-filled season and a season of stagnation for a Magic team that made a second straight playoff appearance after six straight years out of the playoffs, but a team that's certainly looking for more and perhaps bumping against their ceiling. The biggest need for the Orlando Magic right now is a star. To be frank, this team lacks star power, a guy that truly can make a difference in the playoffs and a guy that truly can get defenses to to change and warp to to them. That's obviously not something you're going to get at the 15th pick, but, but Orlando is certainly going to be fishing for trades and trying to either move up in this draft, move out of this draft, or just do anything to generally expand the horizons of this Magic franchise. That may not be something they are able to accomplish this offseason, especially with Jonathan Isaac likely out for the 2021 season with a torn ACL. But if there is a dream scenario for the Orlando Magic, it is either that a star falls into their laps through a trade of some sort, or the Magic are able to trade up to the top of this draft or a little bit higher up into this draft and get the player that they absolutely want. And honestly, what ended up happening in this mock draft is perhaps something of a dream scenario where the Magic get a player with star potential that may have slipped through the cracks and fallen to them at 15 for whatever reason. The big decision the Magic are making at this point is to figure out what they want to be for their future. What do they want to be in the long run? What kind of team do they want to be? Jeff Wellman has done a meticulous job over the last three seasons now, kind of building up the infrastructure and, as much as he hates the word, culture of this Magic franchise, getting them back into the playoffs and back to just being competitive to begin with. But now the Magic need to start making their own mark. Jeff Wellman needs to start making his own mark and bringing in players that fit the kind of the kind of team that he ultimately wants to build. And that isn't particularly clear now. There are some, some specific players that I was focusing on and specific players that I wanted to make sure the Magic got, and I felt like the Magic were going to have to trade up to do that. I did ask Golden State, as has been popular among Magic fans, about whether they would be interested in a deal involving Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon for the second pick. They were not interested in that. I looked at trading up to a couple other spots uh, a little bit higher up in the draft. I talked to Phoenix. I talked to New York. I talked to several teams about the potential of trading up in this draft and even talked a little bit about trading back. But at the end of the day, the guy that I ultimately won, the guy that I'm willing to take a swing on was there at 15. So with the 15th pick in the Locked On NBA Mock Draft, the Orlando Magic select RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton was one of the best high school prospects coming out of uh, coming into the class of 20, uh, 2019, but opted to play in Australia. There he struggled a little bit. Got humbled a little bit playing with guest professionals in Australia. His league is, is becoming very, very good. 
But that great first step is still there. And if the reports are true, he's really worked and developed his jumper uh, working with Mike Miller during the hiatus. There are a lot of other players that I considered uh, for this pick, a lot of players that I was focused on taking. I was interested in Kira Lewis, Aaron Neesmith, Devin Vassell, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, certainly point guards like Tyrese Maxey and Cole Anthony. But at the end of the day, R.J. Hampton and the potential that he can hit as a star player, someone who can uh, be a little bit more than what you'd expect at a 15th pick with his talent, is a direction that I wanted the Magic to go. I need to get talent. I need to get top-end talent. And R.J. Hampton delivers that for the Orlando Magic and hopefully helps the Magic reach a third straight playoff bid and maybe a little bit more. R.J. Hampton has been consistently, I think, one of the trickiest players for teams to pin down, uh, even now, uh, late in the draft process. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the upside is such that at 15, it's not a stretch uh, to take him, especially if you're Orlando. Uh, now, I do worry a little bit about the fit. I don't really know how he fits with Markel Fultz, uh, knowing that both of them are, you know, not great three-point shooters. You know, playing two iffy shooters in the backcourt is a tough fit. Uh, but I do understand why, if you're just looking at this from a best player available perspective, uh, you know, Hampton might be the choice here. You know, he's a really good athlete. Uh, you know, he, people hope that he can play a little bit on the ball. I view him as more of a wing. Um, you know, for me, he's a guy who I have later on, you know, further down in the draft. But, but I do get why, uh, you know, you go for the outside here. Um, and the hope is that, you know, he becomes more of a dynamic, uh, more creative player. Uh, but he didn't have a great year in New Zealand. Uh, and so for some people, he's a tough sell. So this is an interesting pick here. Uh, I don't know if it's what I would do, but I do understand uh, the pick, for sure. Three picks in the books here on day three of the Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft. New Orleans goes with Bay. The Knicks go with Lewis. Orlando goes with Hampton. Time to go over to the Chad Ford NBA Big Board expert desk. And Chad, what do you th- what have you seen so far in day three in these early picks? Well, you're starting to get into another tier of basketball players right now. And these guys are guys that project as rotation players, maybe good starters. But you're, you're moving away from guys that have great upside. But, you know, to me, the player that I'm most intrigued by, obviously, is R.J. Hampton. He has elite athletic ability. I think if he had played college basketball in the States as opposed to going to New Zealand, we may have seen him go a few ticks higher. He's one of those guys that's just a bit of an unknown right now, questions about his jump shot. And Kira Lewis, I have to say, is a guy that I think has been really underrated as a prospect. Great combination of speed. He shot the basketball well. He can create for himself. I think that he's one of these guys that just flew a little bit under the radar screen this year. There haven't been a lot of point guards in this draft, but I think he's a really nice one. A lot of trade rumors floating around. We'll find out if any of them come to fruition as teams are trying to move all over the place right now. Let me go back to Lewis for one second. He's clearly defined as what he is. He's a 6'3 point guard who's attacking downhill. Is that a good thing at this point of a draft or a bad thing in the sense that there's only one route for him to get on the floor? I think it depends on who's drafting him. And so you look at Boston right now, and, and they drafted him at 14. And if you think about Boston at 14 and what they have in their backcourt right now with Kemba Walker, they could use another player like that to come in and support Kemba Walker in the backcourt. So I think that, that he's a nice pick there for what Boston actually needs. He's Chad Ford of the NBA Big Board. We'll check in with him at the end of the day. What up, world? It's your past first point guard and acting Blazers GM, Mike Richmond, host of Locked on Blazers. Heading into this draft, the Blazers' needs were upgrade the perimeter defense, get some depth in the front court. And we had identified a couple choice targets that we thought could answer some of those questions. Number one on the Locked on Blazers fake draft board was Sadiq Bey, a 6'8 wing from Villanova. Number two on our draft board was Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, a 6'5", kind of buddy Healdy type wing who could maybe profile as a much better defender than Mr. Heald is in the NBA. However, now that we're on the clock, there's no Sadiq Bey, there's no Neesmith. So our decisions have changed a little bit. Basically, the debate comes down to three players, Jalen Smith of Maryland, Desmond Bain of TCU, and Josh Green of Arizona. We did explore some trade possibilities. The Dallas Mavericks offered us two first-round picks later in this 2020 draft to move back a little bit so they can move up to 16. And the Knicks also offered a similar package. Two late first-rounders in this draft 
so they could move up to 16. And we rejected both of those because the Blazers front office, at least from the Locked On Blazers standpoint, doesn't see more rookies as the way to solve how do we help Damian Lillard win a championship. We don't need more 19, 20, and 21-year-olds. We need adults who can help the team win immediately. Uh, A long-term project is nice for maybe holistic team building, but it's not how we approach this draft. So a chance to get two later first-round picks didn't really appeal to us. So we got back to the board and narrowed it down to two guys, dropping Jalen Smith of Maryland, a project big who has real questions on defense, doesn't seem like the type of, even as even if he's a shooter, doesn't seem like the type of player I want to pair next to Damian Lillard. Just uh, You just need people who can play defense. So it came down to Desmond Bain, who's been cr- climbing up draft boards and seems like maybe a guy who can contribute earlier on his career. And then Josh Green of Arizona, a 6'6 wing who was kind of a role player playing along two future NBA draft picks at Arizona. But he's, got, he's 19, he's got a 6'10 wingspan, he shot 36% from three on about three attempts per game in his lone season at Arizona. And what it really came down to was size. Bain projects as probably more of a two. And Green is a three with long enough arms at 6'10 wingspan to maybe play some crazy small ball four, or at least guard fours a little bit on a switch. And that size on the perimeter, that chance to maybe be more of a true small forward, is what ultimately leaned us in that direction. So with the 16th pick in the Locked On draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Josh Green of Arizona. For me, this is a little bit too high for Josh Green. He's just not a player who has like one elite selling point. Uh, he's more of like a, you know, a jack of all trades, but doesn't really have like an elite skill to sell. Uh, now I get for Portland, you know, you need wings. Uh, this is kind of a spot here at 16 where you're kind of picking at the top of the next group of guys. Uh, so it's a little bit tougher to, you know, to discern who the best uh, fit is versus the upside. Um, but you know, Green is a guy who's going to have to shoot it better. Um, he's not always a very aggressive or inconsistent, uh, player, but he does have his moments. He's a great athlete and you can see him, you know, there have been times where, you know, you see him making the right play, he picks it up and you can see what he can be. Um, so this is, this is the pick that has, has some downside, I think, at 16, uh, particularly with, you know, seeing Gary Trent sort of already blossom, uh, Portland as a player who they might want to keep long term. Uh, you know, maybe this is a spot where they could have looked at a different, uh, position. Uh, but I get it. Um, not, not what I would do though at 16. Back at our main desk with Brad Roland, Brendan Clean, and Josh Lloyd. Number 15, RJ Hampton. Number 16, Josh Green. Go. Okay, those are two guys with like Australian, New Zealand ties. We have to start with Josh Lloyd, don't we? Yeah, so uh, RJ Hampton played down in the Australian League for the New Zealand team. And of course, Josh Green is from Sydney. Yeah, I think the picks are fine. Yeah, Hampton is a guy that does have some upside, but yeah, there is a worry that if he doesn't shoot, then what else is he going to do? And Josh Green, I don't think we have any worries about him shooting because it's just not going to happen, I don't think. But defensively, he's really, really strong. We know Portland um, has defensive concerns on the wing, and I think he would fit in to a rotation role pretty much straight away. So I think these picks are, are really solid. At this point, I might have swung for the fences a little bit more uh, with a little bit more upside, but it's hard to get too down on those selections. That's a perfectly Portland pick. Uh, you know, they pick Nasir Little. They have Gary Trent on this roster. These underperforming wings from college who come in with a lot of hype and, and underperform. Like, yes, that's what they need. Uh, I'm really, really low on Josh Green personally. I, like you said, I think we just need to forget the idea of him becoming a knockdown shooter. It's, it's very, very unlikely. I also think his decision-making is bad enough. We talked about it with uh, the... The, the the Kings pick, Aaron Neesmith, in last uh, the last episode. And it's really a concern with me for Green, too. I know we're later in the draft now, but you have to take guys who you trust to stay on the floor. I, I think he's a player who just being able to like handle the ball in, in certain situations is going to be a struggle for him. Not a passer, not a playmaker. I could see that pick being a, a bust for them. And yeah, it's 16, but they need players. Portland needs players, and I'm not sure he uh, he cuts it for them. I like the green pick more than you guys did. Uh, I will talk about Hampton for a second. I think Hampton makes a ton of sense for the Magic. Orlando just needs more juice in the backcourt. I think Hampton's kind of risky in some ways, but at 15, that's perfectly fine. And I think he has a lot more upside than most of the players in this range as an on-ball creator. He's definitely more of a combo guard, but a guy who, who could seriously, uh, I would say, average 20 points a game at some point in his career. I wouldn't necessarily project that, but he has real offensive juice, and the Magic don't, just don't have any of that, honestly. 
Who's the best player on your board at this point, Josh Lloyd? Uh, the best player left is still uh, Pokusevsky. Brad, who's your best player on the board? Tyrese Maxey followed closely by Pokusevsky. All right, let's go to Minnesota, see what they do with their second pick of the draft, the 17th overall. We head over to Lockdown Wolves in the Wolves NBA draft room. Thanks, David. So the Timberwolves at number one, we took Lamelo Ball, and the way that most of the rest of the top 10 unfolded seemed about right, and I, I felt like I was on track to do what I wanted to do at number 17. So at this point in time, I mean, the Wolves really need shooting, they need wings, and, you know, perimeter defense primarily is is kind of the goal. The mellow ball at number one, it's kind of off the table to take anything, anybody resembling a point guard at this point in the draft. And there were a few that projected to be on the board, Kyra Lewis Jr., Tyrese Maxey, guys that, I, I Tyrell Terry, players that I think are going to be solid NBA players, but with the Wolves already with D'Angelo Russell, the mellow ball, and Jordan McLaughlin likely coming back next year as a as a pretty good backup point guard. There's really no need to take a guard. The scenario, the dream scenario here would be to get a pick for the 2021 draft. There's some rumors that the Timberwolves, that Gerson Rosas is trying to sell this pick and uh, possibly pick up some additional assets, ideally in 2021. I did have some trade discussions about trading down. I tried as hard as I could to, to acquire a 2021 pick, but was rebuffed. My most serious trade talks, and hopefully these guys don't mind me, um, I guess, putting these out there, but the 2021 selection of the New York Knicks is what I requested. The Knicks were looking to trade up in this draft. And I was told that the that the 2021 pick is untouchable, especially their pick, which is the one I wanted, the Mavericks picks that are likely to be later in the first round. They also didn't want to trade. They were offering me a combination of, they had a number of picks late in the first round, I think 26, 27, and 30, if I remember correctly. They were talking about trading two of those three picks to me, plus a player like Reggie Bullock. I was very close to pulling the trigger because I would pick up an NBA caliber rotation worthy wing. Bullock would immediately be a rotation player on the Timberwolves, just 4 million bucks next year. And uh, actually a pretty good fit and picking up a couple picks late in the first round. Ultimately, I decided that the idea of trading back that far in this draft wasn't all that attractive to me. I didn't want to have three guys on guaranteed first-round contracts in ball and two players I would draft in the mid to late first round. I've already got pick number 33. So if I'm the Timberwolves, I don't know that I need to take three players in a seven-pick span there, even though that in this draft, there might not be that big of a gap between 17 and 27, uh, for instance. So what I was doing as my pick was coming up on the clock, I was looking at who's going to be available. And the players that I was really interested in were wings like Josh Green, wings like... um, like Sadiq Bay, who I thought there was a good chance he'd be available. Aaron Nesmith, I thought maybe, maybe Patrick Williams. All those guys are players that I was really hoping would be on the board. Got through number 15, Orlando took RJ Hampton. Josh Green's still on the board. He's often mocked late teens, early 20s. So I thought for sure I'd get Green at 17. Unfortunately, he was taken at 16 by Portland, which shocked me. So I considered the Knicks trade again and then ultimately shifted gears, decided to draft Alexei Pokasevsky, the big man um, from Europe. And Basically, this is a. I'm hoping that he's comfortable staying in Europe for a year or two, put on some weight. He's a legit seven footer with a point forward skill set and could probably has the upside of somebody who could be really run an NBA offense at seven feet tall in the not too distant future. But he's real thin. He's got to put on strength. He's got to improve a little bit defensively. But this is essentially a lottery ticket. All the three and D guys that I like were off the board. I didn't want to commit myself to an additional first round pick in this draft by trading backwards. I was unable to get a 2021 pick. So I'm taking a flyer and a guy like Pokusevsky, who I think could be a star down the road, but I'm going to ask him to stay in Europe for a couple of years. And then hopefully by the time he comes over, he could be a great fit next to Carl Anthony Towns, maybe play the four at the NBA level, initiate some offense. Or if things go completely south and Towns is somewhere else in a few years, Pokusevsky is a lottery ticket that I'm taking that he could turn into a star at the NBA level. Alexei Pokusevsky is a guy, uh, you know, still a fascinating player, uh, not a stretch to say, you know, oftentimes we say this guy's the mystery man of the draft. Always a little bit of like a hackneyed thing to say, but in this case, I think it kind of applies uh, just because, you know, you see the talent that he has, uh, you know how young he is. He's as young as you can basically ever be to get drafted. Uh, you know, he hasn't even turned 19 yet. Uh, and so, you know, the outside at his size with the skill level he has, is very easy to see. Uh, I know there are European scouts who are really interested in him. Uh, but it's a very risky pick. Uh, you know, his body is going to have to fill out uh, in a meaningful way, uh, just to sort of open up for uh, you know for him to do other things and sort of put that skill to use. Um, it's tough. He has not played at a high level. Uh, you know, playing in the second division in Greece, it's like almost impossible to 
to know, you know, some of these guys he's playing against are, you know, as far as he can be from NBA athletes. Uh, so that's a challenge. He's been a challenge to evaluate. Uh, but for Minnesota here, if you're a team that has two picks, um, you, you know, and you're willing to free up a spot to uh, develop him uh, and let him basically spend all year in the weight room, uh, I think it's totally a justifiable upside play here, uh, especially Minnesota being a team that already has a lot of young talent. Um, so, you know, this is going to be one of the big boomer bust picks of the draft, no matter where he falls. Um, but, uh, you know, for Minnesota, I can understand uh, why you do it. As we get ready for the 18th pick, a trade has been consummated. The rumors have been floating around for a while. The Mav- Locked On Mavericks have traded DeLon Wright and the 18th pick to the Thunder for Dennis Schroeder and the 25th pick. Again, the Mavs trade DeLon Wright and the 18th pick to the Thunder for Dennis Schroeder and the 25th pick. Interesting. Over to the GM desk, John Hollinger gives us the breakdown on this. John, co-host of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast. You can get on the Lockdown Podcast Network, follow it on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes to Hollinger and Duncan, the NBA show. This is their prime time. You want to be a part of it. But what's your thoughts on this trade that's been made between Dallas and Oklahoma City? So first of all, I got to be a party pooper and say Dallas has to put another player in the deal to make it uh, cap legal. Uh, Shouldn't be a, a huge obstacle. You can put Boban in it, or you could put uh, Justin Jackson, for instance. Uh, having said that, I think it's an interesting trade. I mean, obviously, the perspective from Dallas's standpoint is you trade down to get off of that last year at DeLon Wright and create max salary space in 2021. And then from Oklahoma City's perspective, you convert Schroeder into another guard uh, who is, I mean, not that much different and you move up seven spots in the draft, uh, which could potentially allow them to take, um, uh, you know, the hot rumor is Alexei Pokasevsky, the the, uh, Greek-Serbian player who's playing overseas and is viewed as a long-term project. The uh, the one thing I wonder is like can can the Thunder do better than this on a Schroeder trade? That that's the one thing. I mean, it, this is an interesting trade. Like I, I think it's I think it's kind of plausible if you you know Wright and Jackson for Schroeder, let's say like that that's a plausible trade to do eighteen to twenty five. I just wonder if the Thunder can do better than this on a Schroeder trade on the last year of his deal. I mean clearly OKC is going to be trading their they're trying to move guys like him, Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, uh, and and rebuild. I just wonder if this is the best they can do. All right, for the more on the NBA draft, the real one, and free agency, which is all going to come at us very fast, Hollinger and Duncan, the NBA show. Follow it on iTunes, subscribe, or follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes or on Google Podcasts. Now let's go to Oklahoma City and see what they do with this 18th pick in the Locked on Thunder NBA draft draft room. The Oklahoma City Thunder come into this draft in a very interesting position. They're in desperate need of some shooting help, but also in a position to where they're looking to start their rebuild so they have the flexibility to take the best player on the board whenever it is they select. The Thunder also come into draft night with a dream case scenario of trading away Chris Paul to the New York Knicks and getting back pick eight in return, leaping all the way up into that top ten. The dream scenario did not unfold for the Oklahoma City Thunder. After searching for a trade partner, including trade partners in the top four of this draft, eventually the Oklahoma City Thunder were able to strike a deal with the Dallas Mavericks. It ends up being Oklahoma City packaging the 25th overall pick along with Dennis Schroeder to the Dallas Mavericks, while the Mavericks sent DeLon Wright and the 18th overall pick to Oklahoma City. Given the way the draft board fell with three of my top prospects for the Thunder heading into the night, still being available at pick 18, the leap from 25 to 18 made a lot of sense even in this draft class. When the Oklahoma City Thunder were finally put onto the clock, there was three names discussed, and that was Terrell Terry, Desmond Bain, and Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony was once the top prospect in this class this time a year ago and found himself slipping past the lottery. Cole Anthony is a great shooter. He is able to run in transition, which is something that the Thunder might prioritize with their new head coach, and he can be a lead guard for you moving forward. Desmond Bain would provide a ton of wing help on a team that desperately needs wing depth and, again, fills that shooting need. But ultimately, at pick 18, the Oklahoma City Thunder decided to settle on Terrell Terry, the guard from Stanford. This decision came down to the fact that I view Terrell Terry as having the highest floor 
amongst these three players. He will no doubt be a microwave score that can light it up from beyond the arc, and that is someone you can move forward in this rebuild with. At worst, he's going to be a great six-man bench score. At best, he's going to be a high-level starter to help Shea Gildas Alexander if he wants to transition into that lead point guard role. Give him an outlet to kick out to and knock down three-point shots as Shea Gildas Alexander will focus on getting to the basket with his patented scoop layups. But if Shea does not feel comfortable as an NBA point guard and the Thunder do not like that direction they're going in, Terrell Terry has a great feel for the game. He is a great passer and a pretty good ball handler so he can also play the point guard position, which leaves you a lot of flexibility, which you love with Shea Gidges-Alexander, who proved to you last year he can play off ball. And this year, you want to see what he can do as the lead guard. So if it does not work, you can just shift him back over to the off-ball guard, and Terrell Terry can be your new point guard. And if this rebuild goes perfectly this year, and you still end up with Cade Cunningham in the following year's draft, Terrell Terry is still a valuable piece to have with that perimeter shooting and his ability to score at will. So even if Terrell Terry is not a permanent starter for this Oklahoma State Thunder team, he is a permanent impact player moving forward, and that's the best you can do in this 2020 NBA draft. Terrell Terry is a player who uh, I think a lot of people are excited about just with his ability to – he's a really good shooter. Uh, He can also play on the ball. Uh, He can do a little bit of playmaking. Uh, You've seen guards who are – you know, combos, uh, but with the elite shooting to kind of tie it together. Those types of guys have had a lot of success. Uh, and so OKC, uh, you know, to move up here and get him uh, has to be a guy they really love. Uh, but I think he makes plenty of sense for, for what they have in place um, with, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You know, if, if they want to get younger, uh, keep adding upside. Uh, I think there's a great case for him here. Um, and, you know, defensively, you know, he's going to have to keep working real hard on that end. Uh, you know, he's not a very big guy. Uh, he has put on muscle, which at least is uh, a start in that direction. So I think Terry's a big, nice upside play here. Uh, you know, could end up delivering like late lottery type value uh, outside lottery. Day three, nearing into the books with the Stanford point guard being taken there by Oklahoma City and Chad Ford, NBA big board expert desk joining us again. Chad, what's your thoughts on what you saw in today's Six picks. We talked about the three earlier. 16, Josh Green. 17, Pokashevsky. 18, Terrell Terry. Well, Josh Green went about 10 points higher than I had him on my big board. And so this is a guy that I'm going to say is a bit of a stretch. He certainly came in with a reputation uh, coming in as a freshman at Arizona. And he plays multiple positions and, and plays really hard at both ends of the floor. I'm just not really sure that the offense is there. Uh, nor is he the best multi-positional defender that was left on the board. So I'm really a bit a bit surprised that he went that high. That was a pretty big leap off my big board. Uh, Pokajewski, you know, he's an incredibly talented basketball player that has one of the worst bodies that I've ever seen. And I'm not sure how teams are going to improve that body for him. And because of that, you know, it's really hard to figure out what he does in the NBA because, you know, bodies matter. And, and his is just, he's a toothpick. And I really like this Tyrell Perry pick for Oklahoma City. I think he's been an underrated prospect all year. I think NBA teams thought he was going to come out, that he needed to work on his body and develop his game a little bit. He's done that in the offseason by all accounts. He's stronger. He grew a little bit. And here's a guy who can really shoot the ball lights out, fashions himself as sort of a Steph Curry light. I certainly don't think he's the next Steph Curry but if you watch his game, there's some similarities there. And I think at this point in the draft, that's just a great pick for Oklahoma City. Who's the best player left on your board as we get ready for day four on Monday of the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft? I'm going to say it's going to be Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky uh, right now. A guy that's been really helping himself in workouts get it, uh, leading up to the draft. He's Chad Ford. It's the NBA Big Board. Go subscribe on iTunes. Follow on Spotify. The Chad Ford NBA Big Board Podcast. Day three is in the board. Zadiki Bay went number 13 to New Orleans. Kira Lewis went 14 to the Knicks, so they acquired in a trade. OJ Hampton, or RJ Hampton, excuse me, went to Orlando, but maybe we could call him O for Orlando. And 16, Josh Green, with some controversial takes on him. Uh, Poshevsky finally goes 17, 18. Tyrell Terry out of Stanford goes to Oklahoma City after they made the trade. All right. I know everybody loves everything, but half these guys ain't playing in the NBA with the regular rotation players. 
I know everybody wants to be hunky-dory dandy. I like every single pick. But give me your analysis on this one. Who are you most comfortable? Who are you least comfortable with, Brendan? Yeah, most comfortable, we talked about it. I think Kyra Lewis is a really good pick. I think the more you just think about, watch him, read about him, it's hard to imagine him being a, a bad NBA player. I mean, he has just about everything you want on offense, and he's good enough on defense to, to play. I mean, he's going to be a good NBA player. I feel pretty confident there. Uh, and the bad one to me is Josh Green. I mean, we, we broke that down enough, though, I think. So I would say Sadiq Bey is another one to worry about. 13, I, I think if he goes 13 on draft night in the in the NBA draft, uh That'll turn some heads. I think with, with this range, like you were talking about, David, it's it's a range where you can probably afford to take a chance on a guy you really like. Maybe that's Bay, but you know, to me, there are, there are some pretty interesting upside plays here. I really like that Tyrell Terry pick. So uh, Bay to me is is one where in New Orleans, yes, they're wanting to compete now, but you know that that's not a high a high ceiling pick, not an upside pick, and somebody who I think you could really see uh, not cutting it in the NBA due to a lack of athleticism. Yeah, the Bay one is interesting to me. I think there are plenty of other options there for for the Pelicans on the board. I'm also I'm not a fan of Green at 16, nor am I with uh, Tyrell Terry at 18. He, I just don't know how he is going to stand up with his uh, body size and shape and what he does. Um, the shooting maybe maybe it's fine, but there are other guys who are still available on the board that I would have had pretty comfortably over him at pick 18 after they uh, after they did that trade to shed themselves over Dennis Schroeder. I'm not sure. But that's the direction I would have gone on that pick. So some ones that I think are a little bit questionable here and uh, different directions I would have gone for sure. I would echo all of that. I think that the one the one that really raises my eyebrows is probably Bay. But I, I, want, I want to say I like the Pokashevsky pick a lot. I know Minnesota is in a situation where they've already have uh, Lamelo Ball in this class. Um, and this is another big time swing. But if you were trying to figure out a place for Pokashevsky to work, it could be next to Carl Anthony Towns. I kind of think that's kind of weird and also fantastic and a good value that's also an upside swing. So it could it could not work at all, but I, I kind of like that. Certainly a different reaction than we just got from Chad Ford a moment ago. That's what makes this NBA mock draft so great. The expert opinions across the board from different opinions. You can't get the local experts anywhere else. That is what makes the Locked On Podcast Network special. Day four, coming to you on Monday on the Locked On NBA. Make sure you follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and also Draft Week, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Kevin Pelton joins Josh Lloyd as well on Locked On Fantasy Basketball during the week. So make sure you grab that. It is is all part of the Locked On Podcast Network.